Good morning. It's good to see everybody out this morning. Leonard and Chris are traveling. It's their anniversary. And I usually would tell a, a anniversary or a marriage joke whenever they go on their trip, but I'll spare you that this morning. Um, I want to thank the. Uh, I want to thank Leonard for asking me to fill in for him. I want to thank the congregation for your attention this morning, as we go throughout this study. Um, some of you might recognize uh, parts of this. Um, if you attend on Wednesday evening, I did a short talk um, that's, that this sermon is loosely based on. Because this has always been one of my favorite passages of Scripture, where Joshua puts a line in the sand that says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I like... I wanted to put an emphasis on that we. Joshua in this verse is doing a couple of things. First of all, he's identifying whose house is his. And that's my house. So we see a singular there. As for me and my house, I own this household. I am the head of this house. As for me and my house... And then he flips to the plural, doesn't he? We will serve the Lord. One thing that's interesting to me about that wording there is, notice Joshua didn't have any power to make anyone do anything. And if you've ever had a two-year-old or a 16-year-old in your house, you know this is true, isn't it? You can't make them do anything that they don't want to do. Now, what you can do is you can tell them what you're, you want them to do and then have a consequence if that's not done. And I think that's exactly what Joshua is doing in this case. Because he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The implication there is that in order to be part of Joshua's household, you had to serve the Lord. Joshua is drawing this line in the sand not only for those that he's talking to and their houses, but also all those that are in his house. I can't make you serve the Lord, but if you don't serve the Lord, then you can't be part of my house. I think it's a lesson for all of us uh, that are heads of household, that, that are parents, and we're going to talk a little bit about that as we go through this. Now, Whenever you do a sermon like this, there's always people go, well, I'm not married, my kids are grown, I never had kids. I think this applies to everyone. Because when you're talking to people and they might have questions for you, you need to be able to answer these questions even if maybe that question doesn't apply to you. And by the way, grandparents, so you're not addressed in this, you don't get off the hook either. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through this study. In Luke 14.26, we read the, the passage of Scripture says, Any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and his wife and his children and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. We talked a little bit in class this morning, if you weren't here, about idolatry. And that idolatry is putting anything in front of God in your life. And guess what? That includes... I think I turned this off last time and it worked. See if that helps. That includes 
these relationships in your life. Joshua understood this because when he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, he was willing to, anyone who was not willing to serve the Lord, he was able to, or he was willing to tell them, you don't have to serve the Lord, but you can't live here. You don't have to do what the Lord wants you to, but you can't be part of my house and do that. And there comes a time in some of our lives where we have to make hard choices. We have to take a stand for the cause of Christ when it comes to the relationships, friends and family in our lives that are unwilling to not only serve the Lord themselves, but are trying to actively prevent us from serving the Lord as well. Now notice here, a lot of people trip up on this language. God's telling me I have to hate these people? No. He's telling you you have to love them less than you love Him. That you have to put Him first in your life above the other relationships that you have in your life. That as Jesus talked about, if your right hands offend you, what are you supposed to do? Cut it off. If your right eye offends you, pluck it out. Get out of your life anything that's going to prevent you from being right with your God. Because the most important relationship that we have in our life is with our Lord. Every other relationship, if it's going to, on the day of judgment, cause you to be lost, is not important. Now, I want everybody here this morning to understand, I'm not saying, okay, this person is in my life and, and they're not doing the work of the Lord, so I'm just going to cut them. There's a process involved there. And there's standards that are involved there. I've got a lot of people in my life that don't attend church, but would never do anything to try to prevent me from attending church. They don't serve God, but they would never try to get me to do anything that wasn't serving God. And so you have to look at these relationships in your life and say, are these relationships causing me to not do what I should do for the cause of Christ? Now, Christian fathers, we have an awesome responsibility and that is we've been given a household, just like Joshua was given, to lead. And we have to lead. There's no um, other choice for us but to lead. And everything that we do is going to lead one way or another. We're expected to be the head of the house. The Bible makes that clear. And we can either lead the way to Christ or we can lead the way to Satan. That's an awesome responsibility that fathers have. To lead their house in the way that it should go. And we do that in, in many different ways, but we will lead one way or the other. We cannot sit down and say, I'm refusing to lead. I refuse to lead this house. We will be looked toward as leaders, whether we think we're a leader or not. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. We are the head in God's eyes, whether we want that role or not. And notice, this is a very, very controversial passage of Scripture in today's society, isn't it? Um, I've done a few weddings, and I always, whenever I, I do a wedding, I tell the couple, I'm a very traditional preacher. I'm going to quote passages of Scripture like this in your ceremony. Because I truly believe this. And of course, we know that Ephesians 5 goes on in a couple verses later to say, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. So this is not a, a uh, you know, lordship over your wife where you're just trampling over her and, and ignoring her and, and not taking input from her because you love her and you're willing to give yourself for her. But it is a command that in the hierarchy of that household, the man is the head of that house. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4 says, One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with gravity. This is a passage of Scripture many people just ignore because this is part of the qualifications of an elder. But does this apply to all fathers? Absolutely. Not doing this disqualifies you to be an elder, but I'd also say that you're on pretty slippery spiritual ground as well. If you're not ruling your own house well, and if your children are under subjection to you and the rules of that house, then you've got some self-examination to do, don't you? Now, as men that are otherwise qualified, we should all be desiring the position of an elder. But if you don't have your house in order, then how can you lead a congregation of the Lord's people. Now, like I said, we lead in several different ways. And the, the most important one is by example. And again, if you have kids, whether they're 2 or 17, or even older kids still living in your house, you know this is true, don't you? Your, your example is important. One slip up, and we're not perfect, but one slip up You'll hear about it, won't you? When that child wants to do something and you say, no, you can't do that. Well, you know that one time you went and did this instead of went to Wednesday night services. You know that one time you put this activity over a gospel meeting or vacation Bible school. That will get thrown up to you. Anytime your child wants to do something that you don't think they should do. You'll hear about that. So it's important to try to set the best example for your kids that you can. But we also have to have rules, don't we? Now, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents are here this morning. They had a simple rule. If you live under our roof, you will go to church and you won't behave in ways that are unchristian like I put unseemly here I believe because they had established in their house that as for me and my house 
We will serve the Lord. And it didn't matter whether I was 2, 16, or 26. And yes, I moved out of my house when I was 26. Lori and Lillian get a kick out of that. They said, you were, grown, you were an adult. Well, why would I give up free rent? And then they started charging me, so I moved out. But the point was, if I lived in that house, I was subject to the rules of that house. Now, I had a choice. I didn't have to follow the rules. But that meant I couldn't live under that house anymore. Or live in that house anymore. Parents, this is something that we have to have, is we have to have rules of the house. And I might be getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but one of the ways that fathers we lead is by enforcing those rules. What good are rules if there's no enforcement of the rules? You know, I've learned in 53 years on this life what I said earlier. You don't get control over anybody else, do you? You can't control other people. But you can control you. And when you have boundaries that are set and those boundaries are crossed, you can't make that person do anything. But you can take action yourself, fathers, can't you? If you have a 26-year-old living in your house and they don't want to live by the rules of the house, do you just throw your hands up and go, well... Can't make them do anything. No. You take action. You give them a deadline. You can live in this house until this, but if you haven't cleaned your act up, hit the, hit the road. It's tough to do, isn't it? But that's what Joshua's example was when he said, as for me and my house, we, not I, we will serve the Lord. So does your rules have house? I already mentioned that the simple rule was in my household. And you notice one thing about that. I was expected to go to church services. And guess what the standard for going to church services was? It was the same as when I got up in the morning on a school morning and went, I don't feel good. I can't go to school today. Did my mom and dad go, oh, well, just go get back in bed. I'll make you toast and tea and bring it to you in a few... No. They took your temperature. They thought about what you were doing before you were supposed to get ready for school or the night before. You know, sometimes as we get, as we get teenagers, our teenagers want to stay out a little bit later and then they feign being sick the next morning because you know what? They just want to stay in bed and sleep. Well, the same thing happens on Saturday night. And my mom and dad were hip to that. So when I got up on a Sunday and I said, you know, I'm just not feeling good today, and I would go stick my head by the heat register and try to get it nice and hot so that, oh, he's got a fever. I remember one time, I don't think my mom knows this, one time I didn't want to go to school one morning, and I'm like, I'm not feeling good. And I sat down by the wall by the register. She came over and put the thermometer in my mouth, and when she walked away, I stuck it in the heat register. And then I looked at it and my temperature was 120. <laughs> Got to get that down to an acceptable range. But, but my parents were hip to that on Sundays as well. And they had the same standards on Sunday morning that they had on Monday through Friday for school. And so I asked fathers this morning, do you have the same standard for your children being here when they're supposed to be here 
as you do for school or for when they have a job. So you see, we are the heads of our house. And as Christians, husbands and fathers, we have to rule that house well, don't we? It's not a choice. You know, I, I think about this sometimes as a father myself. Is on the day of judgment, when I'm going to give an account for everything that I've said and I've done, And this is kind of a sad thing to think about as a father. And if my daughter is lost and she hears those words, depart from me, I never knew ye, what's God going to say to me? He's going to say, you did everything that you could. You set the best example that you could. You did everything that you could. It wasn't your fault. Or I'm going to hear, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. And you didn't do this. And therefore, you cost your daughter her soul and it cost you your soul. And it's hard to say those words without getting choked up because that's an awful thought to have standing before our judge on the Day of Judgment. We have to rule our house as well uh, as Christian fathers. Okay, now we're going to turn to the wives. Because we already talked about wives should be in submission. She's part of the house. What do you do when the wife decides she's not going to serve the Lord? You're going to be the best example that you can be for that wife, aren't you? You know, I heard a story years ago about a Christian woman who had married a Christian man. And... He didn't like the fact that she went to church services. So he would get up on Sunday and offer to take her to breakfast and offer to take her other places to prevent her from going to church. Hopefully, as Christian young people, when we're looking for a spouse, we think about this. We look for those behaviors before we say, I do. And certainly, she's going to be helping to set the rules and helping enforcing those rules. And Christian wives, if you're here this morning and you're not backing your husband up in the setting of the rules and the enforcing of the rules, then you need to have a conversation with your head of household, don't you? Or, maybe I said that wrong, maybe the head of household needs to have a talk with you. Because... As the head of household, if he's doing what he should be doing, then you should be backing him up. You should be conferring with him away from the kids about what those rules should be and what the punishment or the consequences for breaking those rules are. Now, if your husband is, of, is not a, a member of the church then you have an awesome responsibility, don't you, to be that shining example. To make sure you're not missing wantonly from church services, that they know that on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, special events, where you're going to be. 
We see that there's some commands for Christian wives. Ephesians 5.22 Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 with me. We already talked about submission, so I want to get to this next point. Where it's talking about being married to a non-Christian. It says there, beginning in verse 13, And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? So we see here an example of, of a husband or a wife that's married to a non-Christian. Guess what? That spouse, it says, is sanctified by you. In other words, when you're obedient to what you should be doing, then that union is okay in God's eyes. But if you start allowing their unbelief to affect your life, that's when there becomes a problem. And the example that you set, as we read in verse 16, could save their soul along with yours. So we need to be an example. We need to... Um, to uh, have these discussions with a potential spouse before we get married. That's the advice that I give to you. If you're, if you're a young person here today and you're dating somebody who's not a member of the church, make sure you're having the discussion about where your kids are going to be on Sundays and Wednesdays. Have that discussion about how important your relationship with God is in your life and that you won't tolerate having anybody try to pull you away from that relationship. And we read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Wives, you have more power than I think we know. Because you know what? Us husbands... Sometimes we're like the, the weeds blowing in the wind. You know, last night I went out to hunt about 5 o'clock and the wind was pretty, was pretty high. And those weeds that I was hunting in were, were doing that. And that's what we are sometimes, husbands, aren't we? We're, we? we're like a weed blowing in the wind. And wives, you can be that steadying force for your husband. He picked you because He thought you could be that steadying force for you in His life. So be that example because you could be... You have a choice. You're either helping your husband and yourself get to heaven or you're not. And that's really where the standard is. Christian children have a responsibility too, don't they? You know, I grew up most of my life thinking what I did didn't matter. 
I got baptized at a little before 12 years old. And even after I got baptized, I sometimes struggled with being a Christian child and, and having that attitude of, well, why do they care so much what I do? What do they care so much? But we have a responsibility as Christian children. We think we know better than our parents, but guess what? You don't. You don't. Your parents have life experience. And they know, whether you believe it or not, they know what they're talking about. They know when you want to go certain places at certain times with certain people that that's not a good idea. You know, I didn't always make the best choices. Even after I was an adult, I didn't always make the best choices about where I went, when I went, and who I went with. And guess what? None of those times when I was where I wasn't supposed to be at a time I wasn't supposed to be with who I wasn't supposed to be did it edify me as a Christian. I can't think of one time that I was edified as a Christian. So Christian children or children in a Christian household, listen to your parents because they know what's best. It's not them trying to be mean. It's not them trying to rule over you. You know, my mom, if you talk to her, and you guys will get a chuckle out of this because of what I said earlier, but from about the time I was 13 to the time I turned 18, guess what my favorite words were? I cannot wait till I'm 18 to get out of this house. Eight years later, I was still there. <laughs> Your parents know what's best for you whether you believe that or not. And you also have to remember that you have two fathers, don't you? You have your earthly father, but you also have a heavenly father. And you know, you might pull the wool over the eyes of that earthly father. You might get away with some things with that earthly father, but guess what? The heavenly father sees everything. He knows everything. So you might think you're fooling everybody here, but you're not fooling God. And I would ask you, young people, if you're not living the way that you should and you've got your parents snowed, then you might need to look inward at your heart and say, is my heart softened to the point where I realize that if my time on this earth were to come up due that I would be lost. So you can fool your earthly father, but you can't fool your heavenly father, can you? Colossians 3.20 says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Let me ask you guys something. Colossians 3.20 there. Does it, does it have an age limit on it? Does it say, children, obey your parents in all things until you're 18? doesn't say that, does it? And likewise, Ephesians 6, 1-3, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Now maybe, young people, you're sitting here going, I don't care about living long on the earth. It's easy to say that, 
at 16, 17, 18. When you start getting my age, you start going, I think I might want a few more years. <laughs> but honoring your father and your mother is something that's a command. And again, there's no age limit on that. There's, no, there's never a time in your life where you're no longer supposed to honor your father and your mother. Now, let's get back to Christian parents for a minute for a minute here because we've got some passages of Scripture that deal directly with parents. And the first one is Ephesians 6.4, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. A lot of discussion about what this passage means, what it doesn't mean, but I can tell you this, Christian fathers, what this does mean is be the best father that you can be. Set the example. Set the rules. Adhere to those rules but be there for your kids. Um, help your kids. Encourage your kids. Support your kids. Just be the best father that you can be. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Bring up a child in the way he, will, in the way he should go. And that verse continues, and when he is old, he won't depart from it. So we have a responsibility to bring them up in the way that they should go. And guess what? That verse doesn't guarantee that there's not going to be a time when they step away from the church, does it? Or from following God. This was written before the church was established. But there's no guarantee that they're going to remain faithful their entire lives. I went through a period in my late teens and early 20s when I was questioning a lot of things. But guess what? I was brought up in the way that I should go. And luckily... Old for me was the mid-twenties. Old for some of your children might be their thirties, their forties, their fifties, their sixties, their seventies. But at some point, I truly believe if they're brought up in the way that they should go, if they live long enough, and if the Lord doesn't return before then, that teaching will bring them back to the Lord. So that's why it's an awesome responsibility for us to teach them in the ways that we should go. And then, turn over to Proverbs chapter 23 with me. Because I think in our society today, and even in the church, this is where we're falling down as parents. Notice the words here in, in verses 13 and 14 of Proverbs 23. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with thy rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. You know, we read that first passage of Scripture that says, and he shall not die. It's not talking about physically, isn't it? It's not saying beat your child to within an inch of their life because they're not going to die. It means if you correct your child, corporally correct your child, and yes, I'm standing here before the congregation this morning saying, Corporal punishment is a duty of a Christian. Spanking. Oh, bad word, spanking. According to my brother, he got spanked every single day of his life. I guarantee you, if you count the number of spankings we got, I got more than him, but he's got his own story. What this is saying is if you spank your child, there's a good chance that they'll remain faithful to God. 
This death, I believe, in verse 13 is talking about a spiritual death. How do I know that? Well, look at verse 14. It says, And shalt deliver his soul from hell. Kids need discipline. They want discipline. And as Christian parents, we have a duty to discipline our children. So this morning, I'm going to leave it up to you what, what, to answer this question. Who does your house serve? I believe you have one of two answers to that question. Either Christ or Satan. There's no other choice. Jesus said you're either for me or against me. Your house is either serving Christ or it's serving Satan by not serving Christ. And men, we have to be the leaders in our household. The Bible is clear on that. We have to be the head of the house. Wives, we, we Christian husbands need your support. Whether we have kids, whether we don't have kids, we need your support in order to help us remain faithful. And notice we read earlier that if you're married to a non-Christian, your service to God sanctifies your spouse. And children, just follow the rules. Guess what? You think that at 18 there's going to be no rules to follow? Wrong. The government's got rules. If you work, they have rules. Society has rules. If you don't believe me, if you're a young person and you're 16, Drive down Ridge Road at 100 miles an hour. Don't really do this, by the way. Drive down, this is just an uh, uh, illustration. Drive down Ridge Road at 100 miles an hour. Don't stop for stop signs. Don't stop for red lights. And see how far not following the rules gets you. You won't be driving, at least legally, anymore if you do those things. Everyone has rules to follow. So just be obedient to the rule because notice... Obedience to godly parents equals obedience to God. And why is this so important? Because our families' souls depend on this. I can guarantee you one thing. I might not have said everything right this morning. I might not have got every little dot and tittle correct. But I do know this one thing. If you follow God's plan, you can't go wrong. So as a father, as a mother, as a husband, as a wife, or as a child, follow God's plan and let everything else fall where it must. This morning you may be subject to this invitation. Uh, if you've never put your Lord on a baptism, all things are ready. We can move the screen out of the way and baptize you into the Lord this morning. If you've already done that and maybe you've let these roles that God has given to us as husbands, as fathers, as wives, as mothers, as children, maybe we've let those roles get out of whack in our lives. We can make that right this morning as well. If you're subject to this invitation in any way, come forward now as together we stand and as we sing.